When is the last time you went to a good party? I mean a really good party. Because of COVID, it may have been a long time ago. Going to a really good party can be so much fun and give such a lift to one's spirit. As we gather today, I can think of no better image to describe the kingdom of God than coming to a party. Worship, like a party, is full of celebration and gratitude to the host. It can be an amazing experience. Now, worship may seem too formal for your sense of a party, but fellowship time surrounding worship is really just a more informal expression of our celebration and worship. Being here together truly provides a wonderful sense of community. Ernest T. Campbell, former senior minister at Riverside Church in New York City, asked the question, who would you rather go on a week-long fishing trip with, Jesus or John the Baptist? Whose sandwiches would you rather eat, John the Baptist's honey locust on Wonder Bread or Jesus' perch on Pumpernickel? You see, if we deleted all the parties from the book of Luke, he concludes, it would be a paper-thin book. Parties appear in many of Jesus' stories and parables. There's something wonderful about a really good party. A guy called his friend and said, Joe, tomorrow's my anniversary and we're having a little party at the house. Nothing snazzy, cake, soft drinks, and all that jazz. Don't dress up. Just, just drop by after work and ring the doorbell with your elbow and come on in. The friend said, fine, but, but why ring the doorbell with my elbow? Seriously? It's my anniversary, man. You're not coming empty-handed, are you? <laughs> One does not need to ring the doorbell with an elbow at God's party because the gift you bring is yourself. But that's getting ahead of ourselves. Let's return briefly to the story Michael read for us. It begins with Jesus heading to have dinner with a Pharisee on the Sabbath. He encounters a man with dropsy and asks the Pharisees, if it's lawful to heal on the Sabbath, which technically it wasn't, but they were silent, and Jesus healed the man. At the dinner, Jesus noticed how people were jockeying for position. So he told them a parable about being humble and not trying to get the best seat in the house or worrying about who you would sit next to. Then Jesus told them about someone who wanted to throw a great dinner party. The invitation was extended, and as the RSVPs were coming in, everyone seemed to be making excuses. One said, I'm in the, business, I'm in the midst of a business deal, you know, property acquisition. Another said, I've purchased some animals, and you know how much work animals are when you first get them home. And I mean, oxen are a lot of work. Of course, I wouldn't know anything about oxen, never having owned any. Now, Dogs, cats, fish, turtles, rabbits, parakeets, and hamsters, that's another matter. A lifetime ago, when our kids were growing up, we once had the young petting zoo with 13 animals all at the same time. <laughs> well, another said, I can't come because my wife and I are recently married and we're starting a young family, and you know how busy young families can be. Please excuse us. The person taking the reservations informed the one throwing the party of all these excuses. So he told them, go out to the streets and the sidewalks and, 
and invite those who don't usually go to many parties, the poor, the physically and mentally challenged, the homeless, and any others. And the reservation agent said, been there, done that. They are already here, and it's been done. So he said, go out to the farthest edges of our area and strongly, warmly, and compellingly invite everyone else to come to the party. I want this place to be full, for I tell you, none of those who were invited will enjoy my party. The surprise to Jesus' listeners was that the party thrower was like God. And the people making excuses may have been people like Jesus' listeners. God loves to throw a party. And of course, none of us would ever make excuses if we truly knew God was throwing the party. But let's stop for a moment and be honest with ourselves. How many of us get caught up in our own little lives, which we really think are pretty important, and miss the opportunity to fully participate in God's celebrations. I believe there are celebrations to be shared in every day and even on plain, ordinary days. The breakthrough of an insight which leads to greater discoveries and mending a broken life. The laughter of children and the laughter of adults. The beauty of a sunset or a sunrise. The beauty of setting a loved one to rest after celebrating their life. Helping someone in need. Doing something good for someone you don't even know. Or doing something for someone you do know who will never know it was you who did it. Receiving the gift of another. To know someone cares. There are so many celebrations if only we are more open. And Sunday morning worship is very, very important because it too, is a celebration where God is the host. And while there are other times to celebrate with God other than Sunday morning, it is never less. You know, maybe Jesus was talking to some of us. You should hear some of the reasons I've heard for people not coming to worship. And some seem pretty important. Like, we've got family visiting from out of town. But since when does God take a back seat to family? Or this one, Sunday is the one morning I can sleep in. But since when is getting extra sleep more important than God? Some people say, I don't go to church in the summer. But since when are we supposed to take a vacation from celebrating God's love on the Sabbath by keeping it holy? And I won't even go into all the things I've heard about sporting events and how they went out over church on Sunday morning. Oh, the excuses could go on and on. The point is we all make choices and we all are invited. In his most famous novel, The Trial, Franz Kafka has the hero, Mr. K, wander into a church where he hears a priest tell a parable, a parable quite similar to the one Jesus used. There's a man who is told to enter a kingdom through a certain gate. When he arrived, he found the gate, but noticed a sentinel guarding the entrance. So he sat down and, and he waited for the sentinel to give him instructions or to grant permission to enter. But the guard did nothing and said nothing. So the man continued to sit there waiting for something to happen, waiting for someone to come. For a whole life, he sat there. 
Then the guard closed the door. He said to the man, this door was made for you and for you alone. And because you chose not to enter it, it is being closed forever. There are some people who spend their whole life waiting to come to the party, to celebrate the fullness of God's goodness, which is really every day and especially Sunday. Listen to how that enigmatic poet E.E. E. Cummings put it. Damn everything but the circus. Damn everything that is grim, dull, motionless, unrisking, inward turning. Damn everything that won't get into the circle, that won't enjoy, that won't throw its heart into the tension, surprise, fear, and delight of the circus, the round world, the full experience. I doubt that any of us would turn down an invitation to God's party. The thing is, so much in life is God's party. It's just that we don't always recognize it. There's nobody listening who is too good to do anything with or for anyone else, and I mean anyone. Oh, there may be some who think they're too good to associate with certain kinds of people, and so they turn down God's invitation. Grace and God's goodness are available to everyone. We are all loved by God the same. It's just that some refuse the grace, which is pure gift. It can't be earned. And it's not offered to some and not to others, as though some are more deserving. We all fall short of the glory of God and need God's grace. Many years ago, one cold night in England, a group of children decided to slip into a church to get warm. Soon the service began and the preacher spoke from Luke 15, verse 2. This man, Jesus, receiveth sinners and eateth with them. Afterward, an eight-year-old girl went up to the minister and said, Pardon me, sir, but I didn't know my name was in the Bible. And what is your name, he asked. Edith, sir. No, Edith doesn't appear in the Bible, he said. Oh, yes, it does, she replied. I heard you say, this man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. Now, that, that story may seem a bit cheesy, but it's a pretty good insight. This man, Jesus, receiveth sinners. And David, and Michael, and you, and you, and each and every one of you. You see, coming to God's party, as our text expresses, has nothing to do with our goodness and everything to do with God's grace. The Bible's intentions are all-inclusive. Redemption is for everyone. None should be excluded, and it begins now. One of my seminary professors, Ross Snyder, wrote a book called Contemporary Celebration, and here's a thought that stayed with me. Celebration. Celebration is a people setting out through time toward a destiny. There's a journey to be made, a song to be sung, a narrow path to be found toward a horizon, time and space to be made fit for human beings. 
this time and this space are for us as we celebrate and come to the party of God's grace and love. Friends, the neighborhood church provides a warm and wide open door to all who come, for all are invited. And what about the doors of our hearts? Are they wide open to God as well? Come. Come to the party of life, says God. For celebration is not just about feeling good for a while. It is the way in which faith in the God of life is lived out through both laughter and tears, the ups and the downs, knowing that beneath it all runs a joy which passes all human understanding. In his book, To a Dancing God, Sam Keen, who is married to a dear friend of mine, asks the question and then answers it. What one word would you like to have as an epitaph of your life? What would it be now? I know what I would like to have for mine. It is celebration. So to return full circle to the beginning of our text, we remember Jesus healing on the Sabbath when technically it was not lawful. Grace, which ends our passage in the story where all are invited, was there in the beginning. Jesus makes the point that living by the letter of the law is all about works, as though if we were just good enough, we could assure our salvation. Healing on the Sabbath is all about grace and God's goodness, which is always worth celebrating. But there are times when we want to worry about who's in and who's out. And that's not our business. All, I repeat, all are invited to come to the party. All that's required is saying yes to the invitation. It's not about whether we are worthy. It has nothing to do with us and everything to do with God's graciousness. The only thing necessary for salvation is a Savior. But those who experience outer darkness are the ones who may well reject God's approval of the invitation. And everyone can miss out on the party of life if we reject the invitation. You see, exclusion is not in God's vocabulary. It's self-imposed by human beings. Friends, it's time to party. So, so celebrate. Bring your balloons and your butterflies, your bouquets of flowers. Dance your dances. Paint your feelings. Sing your songs. Whistle. Laugh. Life is a celebration and affirmation of God's love. Life is distributing more balloons. For God so loved the world. Surely that's a cause for joy. Surely we should celebrate. Good news that God should love us that much. So wrote the marvelous poet and theologian, Anne Weems. And so, to all who long for relationship, to all who long to belong, to all who long to celebrate, and to whosoever will come, the neighborhood church bids the warmest of welcomes in the name of Jesus Christ. Yes, yes.
come. Come to the party. Amen.